Hello, podcast listener. An exciting episode today. I am going to go inside the computer world with virtual reality, VR, the thing that was promised to us in the mid-90s and has finally arrived just shy of 2020. Uh, Mike Reslow is our guest today, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what I experienced on JJ Meets World this week. This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Natalie has a proven track record to get your home sold faster and for more money. She is consistently focused on her clients' needs and wants throughout the entire process and make sure that they are well taken care of. If you're looking to buy or sell, reach out to Natalie today. On average, Natalie sells a home every 3.74 days. That's at least two a week. And last year, Natalie earned her clients on average over $4,000 above list price on their homes. And you don't have to take our word for it. Here's some of the great reviews Natalie has received. I was overwhelmingly impressed with Natalie and all the Hatch team. She was very responsive and responded to all of the emails within an hour. She gave great advice and encouragement from the listing and pictures, the offer and all the closing details, the marketing team knew exactly how to promote my property and I was pleased by how soon and easily my property received an offer. I was actually dreading selling my condo and Natalie did such an awesome job that I felt like I really didn't need to do anything. The thing I most appreciated was that she really listened to what I wanted to do and respected my decisions. I would definitely recommend Natalie and all the Hatch Realty team. They made this process so wonderful. That was from Diane. So listen, if you're in the mood to buy or sell a home, give Natalie a call right now. You can reach her at 701-388-9338, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com, or you can go to livefargomorehead.com, that's livefargomorehead.com, and find out some information. Huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring JJ Meets World. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always sniffing out his next adventure. Yes, he is! He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets So is this going to be similar to the movie Jurassic Park when she has to reboot the Linux system? Because I don't know this. So so you haven't used anything like this yet? I had an experience where I got to, uh, well, Dan Aykroyd needed some money. And so he sold out the Ghostbusters some more. And I did a Ghostbusters VR experience. Where did you do that? In Las Vegas. They're opening the same franchise so in the Mall we, of America. We should talk about this on the podcast. Oh, wait, we're, we're, yeah, this we're, is this the this podcast. Is the podcast. Oh, we've already we're talking, started. Yeah, yeah. We started. <laughs> so go ahead and intro us. So, yeah. so you did the Voids <laughs> Ghostbusters experience. Yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This is Mike Rezel, everybody. Hi. You remember him from previous episodes. Hey, everybody. Today he's going to send me into a virtual world. So I've, I've done that and the Star Wars one. You did. Awesome. Yeah. Were they both in Vegas? They were both in Vegas, so? okay, yeah. so uh, so I've done both of those as well. 
and they're awesome. And that's, they are. that is a whole other type of thing. They're using the same, that technology, it's just an earlier version of the headset, but obviously you know it's wireless and stuff like He's that. He's pointing at a box that says Vive. Yes, so that's the OG Vive that they used for those, but they used their own custom setup to get all the battery packs and everything to work. So just to kind of set the stage for them, for people who are listening, the room that we're in right now is actually, it was the very first JJ Meets World recording studio. That's right. Which was also the office of Mike Rezel. Um, we are back here now, and Rezel, it's a, it's a large room um, that's not shaped like a square. It's actually got some nice angles to it, which made it great for audio recording for us. There's an exposed brick. Looks into downtown Fargo. Drop ceiling. And then this is the room where he has his virtual reality setup built. Yeah, so I keep my, my personal computer at my office because, because I, have, I live so close and I have the most room and, uh, you know, it's kind of nice rug and couch and everything. Also, Rezzel really looks like John Lennon right now. Like, okay. he's really got a 2019 John Lennon look. You got the circle ga glasses, the hair, <laughs> and then you're, you know, you're dipping into imagination, right? Just like John did. That's true. That's true. I just saw the movie yesterday, so I've got the Beatles on my mind a lot. Okay, that makes sense. What is it about VR that attracts you? It's the it's it's a new medium. I mean, we've had 2D games and interfaces for a long, long time, but we haven't had the level of technology or the combination of technology that VR requires to uh, simulate enough of reality for it to be captivating enough and not make you sick that uh, we can do stuff that doesn't just look like Virtual Boy, basically. I was gonna say, do you remember the Nintendo Virtual Boy? Yeah, and I- All the I, red lines. It was cool, I remember playing it for, you know, 30 minutes in Toys R Us and then realizing I felt a little weird and I was not gonna ever, and no, I never knew anyone that ever owned one. I wasn't surprised and it was- It looks like a graphing calculator that was red. Yes. I almost yes. threw up at a Target because they would let you test drive it at Target and I remember feeling sick to my stomach. It was some, I think it was a flying game, but it I couldn't tell you. Only that. a flying game, yeah, pretty much. And it was smart that, that it was on a stand, so you could easily just take it back off and take it off. Right. But I had done other things, like at the Space Needle in Seattle, they had an experience where you put on a headset, and there weren't any, uh, there wasn't any tracking with the controllers, but if you aimed with your head, that was that was where the mouse went. Now they advertise it as uh, you were a space something that killed aliens, and it was just Duke Nukem 3D, and I'm sure they weren't paying for a license for that. But uh, I was very underwhelmed because the game had already been out for a few years, and I thought it, it didn't work very well. In the early 90s, there was a Sinbad movie called First Kid, where he became the uh, Secret Service agent who protected the first kid. Um, the son of the president. Spoil spoiler alert: uh, the uh, the agent who gets fired at the beginning somehow figures a way to get the kid out of the White House, and he's going to kidnap this kid and then bring him back and say like, "This is why they should hire me back." But Sinbad is now friends with this kid because you know they're cool. They rap together. End of the movie takes place where this kid goes to a mall in DC and he's wearing uh, like a virtual reality headset. And at that point, it was like lowering a small car on top of his head. I mean, this thing must have been three feet long by three feet wide and it was suspended by cables. And so he was in that and I think they put you in a circular harness. And I remember because the company who produced that, it was a big deal to have their product shown. And it showed what the kid was seeing inside of this the whole while, like Sinbad's running across the mall trying to find him, <laughs> you know, the whole time. 
Uh, but I think they were trying to use that as to get this great groundswell for people to be excited to go to their local mall and experience virtual reality. Right, when arcade games were still a really yeah. big thing. Was- Instead, people went for aqua massage. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, what, so you're programming this yourself, or are you taking bits and pieces? Explain to me like what, what you're doing here. I'm, I'm more of a designer, so the, the things that I've made in Unity or messed around with or I mean, it's more like uh, call script kitty or copying and pasting, basically. Uh, no, I don't code, but um, there's, uh, you can do anything with it you can do with a normal 3D game. Um, so it's just kind of finding content that is adapted to VR and it's, there's quite a bit of stuff out there, but there's sort of a chicken in the egg scenario right now where the big, big developers don't want to develop for something where that there's a huge audience for, and people don't want to buy something that there's a lot of content for. So the people that are making the tech are trying to either fill one of the gaps where the audiences are. They want to either hit the lowest common denominator or the really high end, which is what this thing is, and the enthusiasts, and try to make it as captivating and a quality thing as possible. So to me, like, let me ask the capitalist question, like, how are people making money in this? Uh, mostly selling games, I think. The hardware, my understanding, based on what I've read from the company that makes this one, is they don't, they don't, they take hardly any off of the actual hardware. But they're the company with it's Steam or Valve, so they have Steam, which is the largest <coughs> digital distribution platform for games. So anything that sells them more games is going to make them more money. Whereas Facebook, who owns Oculus, which is the other company that makes the majority of the big name headsets. They're trying to make their own little walled garden where they sell games, and they obviously want access to you know where your eyes are looking and you know your thoughts and how you feel about Mark Zuckerberg. So, they, <laughs> use they have, Libra. Yes, uh, I imagine that there's a certain amount of people out there who want to take this in the, the way of like let's say, um, let's say you're a home builder, and you can design this virtual home and then you can put a headset on a couple and they can walk around in this home that they're going to build, right? So that they can see like, oh, uh, you know, this is what it's going to look like when I look out this window, da 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 And so there's an application there for people who want to use it uh, to further their business in a world where they don't have something tangible. It's not like I'm putting a roll of toilet paper in front of you. I don't show you how like I cut down the tree and then I mine it and then I use it and then I wipe myself and then give it back to you. Uh, This is a chance for them to show you something brand new, but it's gotta be cost prohibitive to some, to some extent, something like that. Cause you'd have to have, you'd have to have, you'd have to uh, bring in someone like yourself, a designer who could come in and say like, okay, I can turn what's on a, a 2d blueprint into something you can walk in. I would say it depends very much. It's very specific to the application. So if we're, if we're talking about, previewing homes, that actually wouldn't be a very difficult jump. Because if you, if you, I don't know if, okay, I haven't gone home shopping, but I've looked at apartments within the last six months, and all of the major property managers uh, or sellers had 360 degree photos of the room and each room in the apartment. Converting those to uh, look at in VR, would, it's not that hard. Now, they didn't have that built in, but making that gap is just converting it to, to whatever it is. now. 360 photos and videos in VR, they're not true VR. What they're actually usually doing, or what, what this is exactly what they're doing. They're, there's a sphere around you, and then the video is displayed on that sphere. It's not actually 3D. 
uh, simulating something that is 3D that you can walk around in has to be composed of like a, you have to have data of a 3D object. So most movies in 3D are static. You have to sit in one spot and look in one direction. Basically, it almost creates like, it's really creating the, the 3D room that you're watching the movie in, in some respects. So there are movie watching programs where you can kind of generate the room that you're in and then it makes a new screen, a virtual screen in that room. So if you wanted to, you could be watching uh, the movie Moon on the Moon. It's pretty sweet. They're great, actually. There's the biggest one. Uh, I think it's called Big Box VR. It's free, and you can invite anyone, including your friends, to come sit with you in the theater, whatever the theater is, and you can make the screen as big as you want, and add whatever other details you want. And you can hear them talk, and you can talk during the movie just like you would. And there's no one else in there unless you want other people in there. So there are some social elements to that. But in terms of the application aspect, it really depends on the industry. Uh, I, I got approached to do some research in applying it to the egg space by a company mm -hmm. that you know does a lot of the egg space. And it was just gonna be, show us what is there. And I did some preliminary research and there was no application whatsoever. I thought, I can't, I can't even take your money because we're not gonna, I know we're not gonna come up with anything. All the research I did, I, I don't, I can't see any scenario based on the technology we have even in the next five years where some farmer in their day to day, you know, even every six months is gonna be like, oh, I need this, it's gonna improve you know, how I think about or look at or work with my farm. Um, other things like training, anything that's involved with simulation, uh, you know, if you're, if you're learning to use a machine or fly something, 100% awesome. It's, it's got... Cockpit um, games are, are de definitely like set for VR. This, uh, yeah, this, this completely changes it. You're just, you're able to look and take in the, whatever you're operating with, with so much more freedom. Um, so you can have the Sully Sullenberger experience? Yes. <laughs> um, when I think of virtual reality, the first thing that comes to my mind is the movie Lawnmower Man. Yes. Right? Pierce Brosnan, golden age of 90s, like ideas of what tech is going to be. Right. right. And then uh, I think of Minority Report a little bit because, sure. you know, even though that's an interactive thing where they're pushing stuff all over the place. Uh, it still is kind of this virtual, you're in the virtual computer world when you're doing little bits and pieces. <coughs> Hollywood has been obsessed with VR for a long time. Yep. In fact, what was the Russell Crowe movie where he's like a bad guy in a video game and he comes out? It's literally called Gamer and it's a kid that's controlling him the whole time. That's, is that what it is? They're trying. Yeah. The kid has full control over him and they're trying. he's trying to, you know, deal with it and try to get not die basically oh uh, but th i think the most recent big big name one was ready player one uh, mm -hmm. based on the book obviously which is more of a 80s nostalgia sandwich but uh, still, uh it's, they try to elevate it to something more right it, well and there's classic sci-fi too like the matrix yes right absolutely. the matrix would be it taken to the nth degree yes. saying that uh which we'll get into later but that really ties into feeling of of place of uh am i in the matrix or am i at base reality which is something that you will be feeling once we put this headset on you. And I'm so excited for that. I also think like, I see a lot of people who are like, oh my, God, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, using it to be inside of a house that you're gonna live in is boring to me. Like you'll see the house eventually. What is exciting is for me to appear in Middle Earth. Right? So I want to go to places that I never could possibly go. The Bridge of the Enterprise from Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. And 10 Forward. Or yeah. the Holodeck. 
I would love to, you know, like, wouldn't it be great if you had a VR experience that was called the holodeck? And Isn't that just basically just a VR experience, though? It is. It is, but <laughs> with no headset and stuff like that. Sure. But my, I want my VR experience to be what Picard <laughs> is experiencing. That's what I'm going for here. Uh, by the way, side note, do you see that Jonathan Frakes is coming to Minneapolis for some con that they're doing? No way! We should try and get him on this podcast. We're going to try and get him on the podcast. Uh, yeah. And we've got an in with Blaine Edwards, because he was in a production of Julius Caesar with Michael Dorn, who oh. played Worf, and Whoa. met Jonathan Frakes when he came, and was introduced to Jonathan Frakes by Michael Dorn as my friend Blaine. Wow. Oh, man. So we, awesome. we're, we're basically like saying, we're making a promise now. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're basically saying we're going to get the golden egg <laughs> uh, that everyone has. Uh, okay, so VR freaks people out too. I've seen a couple of people like on a YouTube thing who they put it on and they're not prepared for what they're about to like jump into. And I think it can be very off-putting I'd say some uh, people. You know, most of the videos I've seen is bad bad handling or the person facilitating it either it doesn't they're not totally invested in the person because they're just a customer or it's you know people that are really inexperienced and they're not spatially aware enough to just remember that there's a wall in front of them or that table isn't there do you think people who are into designing vr have a god complex um no do you, you think, think so? Because they're designing another world. Do you think people with a god complex are attracted mm -hmm. to VR? I think they've probably moved on to things that are past just the simulation or of video <laughs> of, of mostly so? video games. <laughs> um, do you remember when there was the fight between Blu-ray and HD DVD and which one was going to win? Do you remember how that was decided? The adult film industry decided that they were going to back Blu-ray and right. HD was dead within like a month and a half. That's right. I noticed this is huge in the adult world as well. This virtual reality, it you know, the the major websites are getting behind it. A lot of the producers are getting behind it because people, you know, that's the ultimate fantasy for them to be able to live. Um, I like how Tucker left the room to sneeze, but he's he's on a wireless thing, so he sneezed he right on. He could say whatever it. he wants right now. He but could. Yeah, he's not part of could. the conversation. Um, but that, I mean, that's a huge thing as well. I have to feel that once the adult industry latches onto this, that's going to be there's going to be a huge influx of cash into trying to get more headsets out there and to try and get more people developing things for it. So uh, the way I've, based on the research, quote unquote, I've done, there's he's using finger quotes. <laughs> he's been doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. There's. There's already a bunch of content that's already being created in 2D that is adapted to 3D for any form of entertainment. I mean, all the 3D movies you can watch in VR, and you're not losing any of the contrast or brightness that you do when you put on glasses. Mm -hmm. um, I hate 3D glasses. I'm going to yes. throw that out there right now. I totally agree. I think they're garbage. In fact, I remember seeing, I think it was Toy Story 3, and removing the glasses during the movie, I'm like, it is way more vibrant without this tinted screen, so. Yeah, there's a huge loss there, and I don't, and you can mitigate that entirely with the headset, but you're losing all of the graphical intensity because the resolution is way, way lower than your eyes, or the movie screen ever could be. Uh, on the other end, the the sort of barrier of the technology is to do a to do a, a any sort of experience where you have any agency, where it's not just you, because that's the thing when a in a 3D film it's static, right? So if you're gonna watch a 3D video, you're not gonna be able to move, and if you do move, the thing's gonna stay with you probably, or it's gonna become distorted. Uh, to simulate anything, you need a you either need to create the models for it. So what 
uh, a lot of porn stars are doing right now, they're, they're doing, it's all Patreon funded. It's a program called Holodex with three X's. And we'll make sure to link to Rezl's favorite porn actors and actresses <laughs> in the description. Uh, they're basically taking full body scans of the actresses and then using, mo using motion capture to uh, overlay, you know, whatever type of you know, lap dance or experience they want to do. Again, he's using finger quotes. Very bare bones, very simple. And I, honestly, I'd say not, not actually that, that interesting um, because it still only looks as good as anything can look in the headset. And um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, it, it, something like that is always going to look better based on how high definition it is. I don't know. I don't play a lot of games for the naked women. Do you think people confuse what VR is? So VR can be kind of a buzzword too, right? Oh, we got virtual, we're using virtual reality for this. Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, maybe they see something like Ready Player One and think that that's even remotely on the horizon when it's not. But the, the, the biggest, uh, I think probably in terms of acronyms, source of confusion is the difference between AR and VR. So in AR, you're talking about something like the Microsoft HoloLens, which is, it is clear, and it is projecting an image on a, a sheet of AR material. AR stands for augmented reality. Augmented reality. So what it's trying to do is display objects, you know, within your environment that are 3D, but... Right, it's creating a single piece rather than an entire world. Um, it could simulate, theoretically, just as, I mean, ideally, the resolution would be just as high, and then you could overlay whatever you wanted on the real world. It's just more aware, it's able to represent reality or whatever's actually in front of you at an inf at whatever you can see it at. Un unfortunately, all of the AR tech is about three generations worth of tech behind <laughs> VR. So, you know, this is technically like a PS4. The HoloLens would be like a PS1, if even. Mm -hmm. uh, the the other sort of marketing speak, this one isn't official, is HR. You know, so the Ghostbusters and Star Wars thing you did mm -hmm. where you're moving around and there's there's actual investment in the physical aspects of the experience that are simulated. Like, you know, when you're, when you're walking on a grate over a, t a skyscraper in New York, it's actually a grate that you're walking on. There's everything else that's simulated. Those have to be physically built in some place. Right. Uh, when I did the Ghostbusters one, I, I said, can I take a quick peek in there and just see what it looks like when I'm not wearing the headset? Uh, and they said, sure. And it was just a bunch of gray plywood but it was in the shape of the apartment that you walk into in this building. And then it was, you know, you walk through this area and then you're in the elevator and all it was is a little like platform that shook a little bit to make you think that you're moving. Right. Um, and so they built a they, they built a, what, uh, the most basic shape version of what you're experiencing in there. And then they're adding all the other elements like the ghosts and the brick and the fire and things like that. So what's interesting is that they did a lot of work to make that possible. And they did a lot of tech to get lighthouses in every room to see all the people that were in it. Uh, just last month, uh, Oculus released a headset that uses uh, cameras. So it doesn't need lighthouses. So that means you go to, you could walk from here to a football field and walk as far as you want in whatever game you're playing. So this is a point of uh, much debate between gamers, uh, and not just in VR, but there are essentially, there are different stores that you can buy games in. So Facebook does what are called Oculus exclusives. And so they pay a developer to say, hey, when you make your game, only release it on our platform. Just say fuck you to everybody else, don't do that. And it, it forces people to either buy it only on that store. It, it basically, we have to use third-party applications to simulate 
uh, the Rift or, or the part of it that makes it think we're using a Rift to be able to play it on other headsets. Uh, and that, But we've been doing that in the game industry since the beginning, right? You don't play Mario on a PlayStation device. Well, the they issue, want proprietary uh, you know, games and, and characters. So the, the issue is that the Facebook is still in control. So there, are, there have already been instances... I think you call it the Facebook. I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. No, no, <laughs> I agree. It's the Facebook. There have been instances with the Quest where, because the Quest is such a, it's such a stripped down headset. In order, in order to to get it at the price point that they wanted, they made a ton of compromises. Games are actually have to be specifically ported at a graphic level that's lower for it to be stable on those headsets. Uh, and you, so you have to buy them again on that store, even if you already own them in some other, in the identical form. It's like you have to pay again to have a kind of lower res version of the same game. They have also, there have been sort of stepping where uh, because they're in control of the platform, they can stop third-party applications however they want. And so the, the notion is that if they ever get too much of the market share, they will be less considerate to people trying to extend that platform. It's just not an open, friendly platform. Whereas Valve has taken the opposite approach and said anyone can make, any company can make any, they can use all of the same technology that we're using. And, they're, and that's what other company, HP has done that, uh, HTC, uh, Pimax, for example, has now gone full open source, the whole headset and the hardware open source. And those are the things that really, they really Im uh, bolster the development that's necessary to take it up out of whatever level it's at, where we see a lot of the innovation. So the tough part is that it is the Quest is the best entry-level headset by far, and it does things that other things can't right now. So because because you can buy a Quest for four hundred dollars and you don't need a computer, and you don't need to set up lighthouses, and you, so you can really bring it wherever you want, and everything is contained in the headset. And a lot of people have wanted that for quite a long time, and that is actually pretty amazing. And I can't I can even tell you when I like when I play Minecraft in VR. One of the things I dream of right now is just going to a giant empty room and not teleporting around the room or using artificial locomotion, but just walking through the whole thing as, like, mm -hmm. as much as I want. And uh, just being able to have that degree of freedom would be awesome. But you can't do that with this because you're, you're attached with a wire. So that, that will always be slightly behind anything with a cord attached to it because all the computer bits are able to do way more than anything that you can physically attach to your head. But that's where things, I think you'll see that catch on a lot faster, be more common. Do you think we'll see a world in the near future where someone says, gosh, I own a high rise building and 22 out of 70 floors are empty. Maybe I'll just rent them out by the day to people who want to have a VR experience where they want to do that thing. Like you said, it's a big empty room and you can walk around in it and you can do whatever you want. Maybe I'll put some lighthouses up so that if you want to interact with that, and Maybe. I'll charge I, you $500 and it's air conditioned. What, what I think you'll more see of is an, a, a resurge of things like laser tag, essentially. Because think of this, they don't have to invest anything in the decoration of the room. They just need to simulate it digitally. And then you just put those headsets on everybody. And all you got to do is have enough headsets with enough batteries and everyone can play in the room. Um, Here's an idea. Rather than taking your roach-like filled motel, your you know side of the road motel, just buy if you got 20 rooms, buy 20 headsets, and when you check in, here's your headset, and then it looks like you're <laughs> at the plaza, but really you're sleeping on a bed that's got stains on it, but you'd never know because it looks great. And so as long as you can keep the smell to a minimum, you'd be good to go. Although I will tell you this, I do marketing for a. Uh, 
a restaurant bar and three times a year <coughs> there's a company that comes to town and they force me to sit down with them because they do custom scents for buildings really? so they it patches into your hvac system and they're like you know let's say you want to make people think of this when they come in and i know disney's been doing that mm. for years and uh, you know casinos use is it oxygen that they pump in there so mm. that it keeps you know the, 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 and so a casino smells like a casino when you mm. go in there but they're trying to offer that to other businesses so they said if you want people to always be ordering burgers we can put a scent in here that smells like fresh cooking burgers, even if there are no burgers on the grill right now. Did they have samples? Did you try yeah. them out? What did you yeah. try? Uh, I tried one. Um, I tried one that smelled like th that was like a neutralizing smell. So because they're like you're a bar, so you don't want people come in and it smells like right. old whiskey or stale beer. Yeah. And the neutralizing smell, I thought just kind of smelled a little bit like Febreze. I smelled one that smelled like pizza. And it did smell like pizza, like cooking dough and marinara. Um, and then one that smelled very similar to like outside. So they're going for like a springtime huh. smell. Fresh. Um, but the thing is, is they're like, they, you know, they make it seem nice. But really what you're doing is you're rolling 55 gallon vats of whatever <laughs> chemical it is <laughs> over <laughs> to your furnace and pouring yeah. into this thing. And <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're the Applebee's Corporation, and you're okay. like, we just feel bad that families can't come to Applebee's together because <laughs> your grandma lives in Oklahoma City and you live in St. Louis. You could sit down and have, like, in a booth with a headset, and your grandmother is sitting in a booth in Oklahoma City, and you could have dinner, and what would be unique is you'd both be ordering off the same menu, and, like, it would be this, you know, so when I get my chicken fingers, it would taste the same as grandma's chicken fingers. I would love to walk into one of those Applebee's and see a bunch of people by themselves at booths having conversations with people who aren't there. So Every, I, I, every Applebee's is suddenly, like, network. It is right. every, is all Applebee's. <laughs> all Applebee's are one. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think that's a thing, right? Like, people who are like, oh, I don't want to eat by myself. Right. Maybe I can find somebody else. And so then you don't have to actually be with a regular human being there. Like, you, you know, I don't know how they would project you, to, like, uh, if you come in and go through the Applebee's scan. Do you, th do you think they would simulate the food looking better and, like, it would spark, Absolutely. sparkle Absolutely. And the there'd plate. be, like, steam coming off of yeah. it. And they'd be like, boy, that, uh, you know, that the New Orleans sirloin steak looks really good, Grandma. <laughs> and she's like, actually, it's kind of cold. Uh, you know, the, the only, I think the only limitation is that is Billy. Billy's been the first one to simulate himself as like an 800 pound gorilla. And it's just gonna fucking <laughs> weird everyone out. Cause all the weirdest experiences I've had in VR are in chat rooms where people are Mr. Peanut Butter and you know, Spider-Man is three foot tall and wants me to rub his nipples. And <laughs> actually happened. It's so, it's just, you can't predict it. Sometimes it's just really boring and nothing. And other times it's like, what, get me out of here. Yeah, where's the eject button? Okay, so this is what I'm looking at folks. There's, uh, this, the room is pretty wide open. There's a desk and there's some shelving and stuff. But in the middle of the floor, taped down, is a black furry rug. What is the purpose of the black flur furry So uh, I like shape, to tell people to take off their rug. shoes and then yep. they can really easily tell where the center of the room is. Okay. Because there's what's called a chaperone, which will light up whenever you hit the edges of the room. Okay. But the more you're enjoying yourself, the more you're gonna be inclined to just ignore that and smash something. So. Right, so this is to give me an idea of like how to get back yeah. to kind of like yeah, a yeah, neutral yeah. space. You know you're entering the danger zone if you leave that. You can, you can go as far as you want 
as long as you're aware of where that green or that green line is. Gotcha. And then there are two. It, it looks like the jacks that you put in your basement if your like walls are caving in uh, on either side of this rug uh, that have cameras on them. Yeah. So those are what's called the lighthouses, mm -hmm. and then I'm using uh, what are called contractor poles. They're just poles that you can attach anything to. You can do these a thousand different ways. So the lighthouses are actually one of the more innovative parts of this whole thing. And I think they're absolutely fascinating. So what the lighthouses are doing is they have two motors that are perpendicular to each other and they have a set of lasers on each and they spin really fast and they flood the room with non-visible light in both directions, one at a time, 60 times a second. And they hit little dimples of sensors on the headset and on the controllers. Mm -hmm. And what happens like con like just hundreds of times a second is it it detects when it sends out the light to when it hits here and then combines that with all of the <coughs> other sensors on the on the machine to to simulate where you are and then put the image that you need to see where it needs to go. Okay. And there's a whole bunch of math that goes into that. And these things are actually really cheap to make, uh, which is which was the huge barrier to it. Is if you needed you know, if you needed something that was as expensive as this just to get that going, all that other stuff like the void would not would never have worked or really been cost effective at scale. So, so let me show you how to make this comfortable. Okay. Because so this hat or <laughs> this hat, it's a this hat. VR hat. It looks like a pair of ski goggles with a, a strap that goes along the back. So like a, a hard hat without the like the top dome. And then the ears have little speakers. So it's not earbuds, they're little speakers. And then the inside of it looks like Wally from the movie Wally. Yeah? yeah. Is this yeah, about sure. right? Sure. Did you not see Wally? I did see Wally. Oh my god, it's great. Wally's got a Wally's got a good face on him. Remember in Wally when they're watching that scene from Hello Dolly and he he's falling in love with Eva? And he wants to touch your hand. He's got those little clippies. <laughs> that was great. Remember that, Russell? We, uh, yeah, we could give you some claw hands. Um, see how that feels. Uh, okay, so I want you to look at, I'm going to show you three knobs. Because mm -hmm. they're going to, what you, what you want you, is you want it to be, your eyes to be in the center of the lenses and not to crush your face and be uncomfortable. So this knob loosens and tightens that whole deal. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave this where it's at. But if for some reason this isn't high enough, you, we can adjust this. You can adjust. You can okay, adjust the this top strap. strap. You have carte blanche to touch however this, however you want, as long okay. as you don't fucking shove your hands into the lenses. <laughs> this one moves the screen closer and further from your face. Okay. On the uh, right side is closer. You, and you'll be, you, so the cool thing about this headset is that you can shove the screen like past your eyes. You don't want it crushing your face. Uh, but if, the closer you get it to your face, the more field of view you have. So you kind of find a sweet spot. This this one's probably the most important, and this adjusts the distance between the lenses so everyone's eyes are different widths apart and your eye can adjust to any IPD which is what it's called your inner pupillary distance uh -huh. so like when you use your glasses they try to aim for it really specifically but you could put on anyone's glasses and your eyes would adjust it's just that if it's out of whack things look th things look fuzzy and eventually you get a headache so okay. just put that in the middle for now um, is there a button for gravy does not like pour any juice. Like so. You're good. You're good. Sir. There's awesome. no juice in this. There's no juice coming out of it. It's Tucker, water there's free. Gonna be juice. Well, that's after, buddy. Okay. There is a there is this expansion slot that they all have that no one knows what they're gonna put in it yet or what anyone wants to what? put in it. Most people attach fans to it and they blow passive air on your head or your face or try to keep it cool. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't. Does it get hot wearing this thing? So the the whole like the the most functional limitation of this is that the more you sweat, and everyone sweats more or less differently, and depending what game they're playing, 
your heat gets shoved into the headset and it will start to collect all over in there. Mm -hmm. And I've seen videos of people who let someone play a game for too long, and when they set the headset down, there was just a pool of water and the whole thing got destroyed. Oh no. Now, this, normally- I should tell you too, like <laughs> I don't sweat from my armpits, I don't sweat like from my rear end, yeah. but my forehead sweats. Just your forehead. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a sinner in church. <laughs> shooting out. Just my forehead. Uh, so you'll be able to feel that. I, ideally, I would have, this is too new so I can't buy them yet, but we would just have extras of these mm -hmm. and swap these out. A little sweat, little sweat band things. Nothing you're doing is gonna be super intensive right away. Like, we're not gonna throw you into, you know, a running simulator. I made sure he took the elevator up here. So that Great, okay, yeah, yeah I want you to be nice and cool. They're simulating running with this? That's bullshit. <laughs> my, my virtual world, everybody's got a little uh, <laughs> Professor X uh, floating wheelchair. Just sitting, just sitting down all day? Oh God, yeah. Uh, do you have any sit down games? I do. Yeah, you awesome. can You can be casting Picard and just sit down. Nah. Yep. Why would Captain Picard just sit down the whole time just because he's directing? I always he's thought the captain. when things get tough, though, he stands up. He, he does. He doesn't just sit there when he's yeah, like, yeah, let's there's still a, the Klingons. There's still a ton of downtime on the Enterprise, though. It's true. It's because he's been sitting down all day that oh. he finally has to stand up. I just got to stand for a second, Riker. <laughs> Kick it around. I mean, you could be like Worf, too, and just be forced to stand all the time. Poor Worf. Yep. Uh, these speakers, uh, they're speakers, so the they will just... Just move them over your ear when you put it on. So okay. uh, this thing also stretches, so you don't have to like, when you take it off, you can just kind of pull it out and pull it off your head. You don't okay. have to like adjust this knob every time. So uh, right now it's just an image of the room. Just try to get it in focus and okay. make it comfortable. And then I'll give you the All right, you guys, see you on the other side. <laughs> He's strapping in. Does it feel tight enough? That back, does. That back knob is probably the one you want to adjust first. Whoa, I see like a green grid. Yes, so that'll come up whenever the controllers get close to the edge of the room. Oh, slick. Yes, or your head, essentially. So is this really you I'm seeing in front of me? I mean, it's a image of me from the camera, so. Are you serious, is that for real? So yeah, so there are two cameras on the front, I probably didn't point those out, and it's, that's why it looks 3D-ish, <coughs> 3D it looks a little weird, but that way you can see the room. But and like if I punched you right now, I'd be punching you. Probably, you probably, yeah, you, you would hit me okay. probably, yes. So these are the controllers. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna have to set these for your hand size. So just put your hands out like this. Yeah, because the controllers are coming in in a 3D version too. There's like yes. a really good looking version of the controllers. And then there's these real versions. So these will go over your knuckles. Okay. Kind of like over there. And then there's a button right here that you, you can push it any time to make it loose. Oh, okay. And then to make it tighter, you pull that strap. Okay. And he doesn't need to be crushing your hand, but you okay. do want it so if you throw a digital grenade, it's not gonna fly off. Right, okay. I feel like it's not gonna fly off. So where's your thumb sitting? Yes, you're, you're, you're like, you have bigger hands. This is like as- Yeah, say that again. Big as the, <laughs> the biggest the strap gets, essentially. Yeah. We got a big strap and hands. JJ, we just went live on Facebook too. As part Did of, we? As part of our- uh, uh, Coming up on JJ Meets World, I'm in a virtual world. I'm in JJ Meets Virtual World. <laughs> uh, episode title. There's a little little thing. Oh, I see it like, oh neat, like where my thumb is going on this little controller, it's showing me where my thumb is the whole time. Okay, yeah, those have to be down. That's, that's how it has to be. I, I forgot which way is loose and which way is tight. So these can adjust right here for how big your hand is. That'll, that should accommodate. Cause I got a big hand. As big as your hand can get. Like big old pie hands. <laughs> right, give me the other one. And then remember you can always pull this string as tight as you want it or as loose as you want I it. I don't remember anything you're saying. I, you Great. said I got three knobs Who on here and I don't know right, what they right, are. Right, right, 
Now you're in. Okay, you're jacked in. Okay. I am in. Oh, and so and the cameras are making little, uh, little, little, little like strobes. So I'm, I'm gonna need you to turn something off for me because okay. that's the only thing I turned on. So I want you to point. Whoa! Yeah. So this is the menu. So okay. once you look in the bottom left, that uh, that blue button on the bottom bar, it's on the here. I can almost do it for you. Okay. Right oh, I see. I see. I'm not looking for it. Click over that room view. Yeah. Just click the trigger there. There we go. Okay. Great. <laughs> oh my God. It's like I. It's like if Tron were in Arizona is what I'm seeing right now. The sky is full of stars. This is the virtual world I'm in, huh? All right, we're gonna pump you in this tutorial. It's just oh, gonna show you okay. how to use the controllers and not fuck everything. Uh, see, like this is the kind of virtual I didn't want. This is just like an apartment. Oh my god! Oh, something just like now. Okay, this is wild. So the bedroom set I'm looking at is falling. And everything's moving around. Oh my god, this is amazing. This does look like I'm in a completely different world. So Tucker, is the last time you did anything the last time you were here? Yeah, I mean, I've, have, have I done it more than once? Uh, I think I did it a second time with you. I think maybe it's, it's only point. ever been with your system, so I'm looking forward to gotcha. trying out again. And, and my experience with it, like I gotta play Batman was one of the first ones. And that alone was was worth the price of admission because you start in Wayne Manor in this sort of like grand ballroom or whatever and you go and find the piano to punch in the keys and then you're lowered, you're, you are Batman being lowered into the Bat Cave. And uh, yeah, it's just, it was awesome. And uh, I remember distinctly too, once I was done, I, you probably had me in there for about an hour. Uh, coming out of it and being like, oh, this is, is this real life right now? Even though graphically you can tell the difference, but that feeling of being in a physical space oh. is what it was doing. JJ is just get, uh, giddy with the light right now as he's going through the whole, um, what is this, the intro, the training yeah. session? It's a tutorial to teach people how to use the controllers because there's so many buttons. So I just got a new apartment that I'm in the middle of moving into right now. And VR is one thing that I really want to implement into that apartment at some point. Probably less for game playing and more for movie and media and uh, maybe uh, uh, communication and experimentation and stuff like that. Um, and so the idea of a headset, an all-in-one headset, is, is pretty intriguing. But, you know, I can imagine myself wearing it and two months later going, ugh, why do I still have this thing? I wish it was better. And there is a better version out there. It is. I think, I think it's tough because you're going to... Catch that balloon, JJ. Oh, no. Balloons way, went away. Little doggies. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're popping your cherry on something like this, those things are going to look like a Wii compared to the whatever else. Right. You know? But, yes, they're way cheaper. How much time do you spend in VR within a week? On average, I don't know if I'd, honestly I wouldn't say there's an average. There are only a few games that I go to every, at least every other day, and even then it's only maybe for 15 minutes to 30 minutes. But I'm constantly looking for new things because there are constantly people trying right. different things. When you were talking about designer, I mean, if, if you see yourself as a designer in this space at the moment, when you're designing in VR, how much of that design is happening in VR? Where so, you're wearing a headset versus a, a flat panel screen in, in base reality, as what we well, assume to be base reality. 
those tools are the most interesting to me because they bridge the gap between you having to use an interface and just being able to use your hands in 3D space. Mm -hmm. And they're more applicable to certain things like drawing or sculpture or you're not going to be doing coding or complex games or something like that. But there are things that uh, I do. I do a lot of outlining and I do a lot of... Um, blueprints essentially for rooms and projects. So it looks like I'm on the hull of a sunken ship and surrounding me are schools and schools of fish as well as it looks like I'm at the edge of the hull looking down and there is a great distance like into the black endless ocean. Oh and here's a stingray. Beautiful. And there's like ocean goop coming near me. Ooh, I don't want him to touch me. <laughs> wow. Look at all these little fish. I hear a whale. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and around the corner comes a massive oh, whale. Oh man. The detail on this whale is immense. So, uh, and, and you can think it. about that. That's life size. That's exactly how big that, that whale is would life be. size? Yeah, that's how big that whale would be. Oh my god, am I gonna get sucked in? Which is massive. It still doesn't really feel real, because it's so, you, you, so mean, you, you look at it and you can tell the texturing is, is somewhat like a video game. Yes. But oh. imagine what <laughs> that looked like 10 years ago. I mean, really the only thing that would make this experience better is like if the room was really cold, like it would be in the ocean. Uh, there's also oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, okay, so it interacts with when the whale goes by and his tail flips, it sends all of this uh, debris kind of going everywhere and parts of the ship. This is uh, amazing. Can I click on another one? Uh, I'm gonna put you into the hand lab. So there are a few other ocean ones, but they're not quite they're not quite as cool as that one. And I want you to do something interactive, and that's what this is. So what is this he's going into right so now? So this is called Aperture Hand Labs, and they made this specifically as a demo Valve did for the controllers that they developed to kind of just a fun way to make you interact with a series of robots and use all of the functions on the controllers. I'm inside of an ele elevator. <laughs> He's got robotic looking hands. So it says teleport, so do I want to teleport? Does that mean? So if you look at the controller and that yellow blinking mm -hmm. thumbstick, you want to move the thumbstick with your thumb. If you look, yeah, there you go. And then point at the ground, and that's how you teleport around. And now the purpose of this game is, is you were saying, is to get people used to interacting with objects within virtual reality. It's, I think it's more just sort of an example of what's possible, because there are only a certain amount of contexts that you would ever go through a series of these interactions. Right. And so they found a really cute, you know, funny looking excuse for you to go through a bunch of them and kind of show you the types of interactions that you could have. And so they're more experimenting because Valve started as a game development company. They haven't for a long time, and but they supposedly are developing three VR games right now, and one of them is supposed to come out or at least be announced later this year. But everyone's kind of wondering what they're going to do or what they've learned or what their vision is for what's possible. And these are all the only really small snippets that we have, and they're they're actually really great. I mean, they're this is still the one thing that I show people when they get the controllers because it's. Because when you're interacting with it, at least with your system, you're not wearing gloves. You're holding to these. You're <clears throat> holding on these two different 
controllers that look unlike any other controller on the market you're going to see for other video yes. games. Yes, and they've been developing these for three years, and they're quite a bit different than the other ones. Uh, the, in the ones before this that you used, they call the wands. They're just like sticks that you hold, whereas these are attached to your hand, so you can let go of it when you throw something, um, or you you want to open your hand and shake somebody's hand, and it still is attached to you and can simulate the, uh, the articulation of your fingers, but much better than anything else could. So right now, JJ is playing paper, rock, scissors with a robot. Yes. To try to kind of get a grasp on how he can use these controllers. And it's a very deceptive robot. It's just hard to beat. How long have you been really invested in, in this space? I didn't get one until a little less than a year after the first Vive came out. So that was, uh, I think that was um, early 2018, if I think if I remember correctly. And... Uh, I got this the, the day it came out, um, and I, I know I've been invested in it ever since. I mean, it's just something I use pretty regularly. I, there are only certain games that I play that aren't VR, um, but obviously they'll always look better, or there'll always be different offerings in that space. Yeah. Now, what are you currently most excited about? in the VR space. Uh, so that one's pretty easy. There's a game by a studio called Stress Level Zero that is going to come out at some point this year called Boneworks. So they've done a couple games before in VR, and this is their third one. And they're exclusively focusing on really pushing everything that you can do with these controllers specifically. Now, the, the most exciting thing about this setup, it really is the controllers, because the types of interactions just in this pushed out to something that is actually a game with mechanics where you use all sorts of tools to solve all sorts of problems mm -hmm. is just really captivating. And we've seen, they've already released a bunch of content. We kind of see kind of what they're experimenting with. Um, and I think that's the best thing. I don't know anything about the Valve games, but I think anyone could say that, you know, the, the anticipation for those is higher, but we know far less. Okay. JJ, what's going on? Oh my I God. just broke the the hand man. <laughs> you just fell down the elevator shaft. Shook his buddy. hand off. Oh, just a strong handshake. I figured out how to use these new robotic hands of mine, and the world should be as afraid as I am. Is there an application, Russell, that you've seen that um, with this technology that has surprised you? Either you know you either wouldn't have thought of that, or you didn't you didn't think it could be that good. What, what was like an aha moment, I guess is what I'm asking. It, it's tough because it happens all the time, but it's kind of subtle because you know you're not seeing something that's real unless it's, unless it's actual photogrammetry and it's someone trying to generate a 3D model off of an actual place. The, the first time I saw photogrammetry, I thought um, I was really impressed and I was amazed at the, the fact that that was possible. Well, can, you, I, can you exp explain that word you're just saying there, photogrammetry? So, photogrammetry is when you take... Um, hundreds or even thousands of photographs of a space from a singular perspective or, or sorry around objects and you try to generate a point cloud of that image and wrap the image of what it was around it so if you if you can imagine like a like a really it, it's it's not very high fidelity but it's as high fidelity as they're able to do you know if we took hundreds of pictures of your of this couch from all different angles mm -hmm. it's able to simulate what, just by analyzing all the images, how it thinks it's shaped and what it thinks, it, what the computer thinks it looks like, and when you combine all that into a scene or like a mountaintop, mm -hmm. or you know an ancient Norwegian church, 
it, it can be really stunning and beautiful because you can also incorporate all of the traditional 3D elements on that. Like, you don't, you're not going to create a 3D model of the sky. Right. You're going to add a, a really highly resolution simulated version of that, and it's going to look way better. But right. you're, you're going to attach all of the other stuff to it. Right. The, the interesting thing is that it's really... Uh, Bandwidth, bandwidth intensive, like the files are a giant size. So if you try to do it of a person that's moving, you know, I could, I, mean, I have a 10 second clip of a woman, it's just a bust, right? And it's, it's, she's naked just from, you know, but you can't see her legs. And just that file alone is three gigs. Okay. And she's not doing anything complicated and it's from just one side of her body. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the weird thing though is that because it is 3D, you can then, you can adjust that model however you want. You could change her skin to be metal or shiny and chrome. Right. And um, people are—it's interesting as people try to like mitigate that gap or to try to create as vibrant and intense a representation of a physical place that you could go because you can look at 360 photos of anything on Google Earth in VR. Mm -hmm. All of the Street View loves all the all of the Street View stuff. You can walk down and immediately pull up a bubble and look look around, mm -hmm. but it's just a static flat image. Right, it's being projected up. But around. they use a form of photogrammetry to generate the three dimensionality of the buildings. And uh, as that gets more higher and higher resolution, I, th I think it'd be super exciting. How was that, JJ? That was pretty intense. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm fully going to admit this. There's a part where I had to get to the edge of a uh, grate, and I was afraid because, I mean, there's nothing down below me, and that freaks me out. <laughs> I've done it a couple times now since JJ's been in VR where I buffalo build him and I just walked right in front of him and he didn't realize I was there. Um, it's pretty great. I think one thing that i getting used to is how you can, using these controllers, depending on the level I squeeze, mm -hmm. it, it differentiates. So like if I have a weak grip, it wouldn't let me open the drawer. I had to really like push in on the controller to be able to pull open the drawer at the end. How does the weight on your head feel, having this big thing? You know, if I, looking at it, it looks like you've got this massive, like we said before, uh, ski mask or whatever, or uh, uh, ski goggles, but like three times the size hanging out in front of you. So during my day job, when I'm at uh, the radio station, I wear giant headphones. And I would say it's maybe just slightly more as far as weight. I don't notice. I think it's because it takes the whole head in. Um, if you had a really weak neck or if you had like a neck injury, I could see this being an issue. But I don't, I mean, really more than anything, I'm, I'm noticing the grip that the controller has around the outside of my hand. The, the fact that they were able to use, and I had never used it over the ear speakers before, the added pressure and weight that is off the sides of your head actually makes it the most comfortable headset I've ever tried. That's nice, because for me, uh, I, I can only wear like a regular headset for so long before it really starts to give me a headache. I don't really wear hats. I wore a hat recently because I went to a baseball game and it was really hot out and I'm a bald guy. So it makes sense in that situation. But within minutes, I'm like, oh, I got to get this thing off my head. I don't want it on here. And so when I look at someone wearing a massive VR rig, it, it seems like I look I, I certainly look forward to the day where either that device becomes so much smaller, lighter, simpler, less obtrusive, um, or you just go right into the brain. The uh, these versions with cores will always be lighter, I think, uh, but the other... I guess that's because all the processing is happening in a computer that's not yes, on your head. Right. They can offload all of that, whereas 
it's still absolutely amazing that they got something like the Quest to not, you know, bog you down. The other thing is, if anything in there is remotely captivating, you're not going to give a shit for at least the first 45 minutes. Um, and you can do a lot of adjustments to make it oh as comfortable as you God. can. All right, JJ, where are you? Uh, I am at what is known as Vesper, Vesper Peak, Washington, which must be a real place, I assume. Yes. So this is uh, this is an example of photogrammetry, and um, they've taken a bunch of pictures of this mountaintop, and you can kind of bounce around and interact with this little robot dog if you want, and just see the edges of uh, yeah, the skyline and everything. It's beautiful. So if JJ is so JJ is basically teleporting around the top of this actual mountain peak. Um, obviously, since he can't move around in this small room, it's not shaped like the mountain peak, but I mean, it looks like there's a ton of options there. And so did basically they go and they used, a, was it a particular type of camera to get a bunch of images or? You can do this with any normal DSLR. Anybody, anybody can do this. It's more just the software that takes all the images and does all the math to try to generate the image. And there's a lot of cleaning up that has to be done to make it look seamless and not noisy and weird. So JJ right now is getting the experience of looking over the side of a mountain. I mean, it is... It is like I am actually there. The the boulders, the the ground and like But you're in air conditioning, you know? Which is great. Awesome. I'm loving this. One of my, I wanna go as high as I can go. One of my favorite things to do uh, whenever Whoa. people visit is to pull them into Google Earth and have them show me where they live or where they've gone or what they've done on the week you know, where like where where where, where do they go? And uh, yeah, just getting a tour that way is completely different. And Google Earth already has um, you know, it looks great just in Google Earth, but it's so different and uh, more captivating when you have it like staring at you in 3D. So Google uh, Maps has an option where you can share your location in real time with someone and they can watch you on a map. Would they be able to basically plug in your coordinates second by second and then basically experience VR at that same part and be like, oh, I know exactly what JJ is looking at right now as he's coming to pick me up? Uh, I, I, theoretically, I, you certainly could. The, theoretically, there, I, don't, I don't think there's any um, way to track someone second by second like that. But yeah, it, it, it's not hard to see where somebody is. And yeah, I'm already someone that you know looks at my map and notices. Oh, you know, Ree's in a different state today. What are you doing in you know Atlanta right now? Is there a Dave Matthews Band experience? <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a number of bands and DJs especially who have tried to make their own. They've held concerts. So they'll go in a VR chat app and they'll hold a concert and they'll DJ live. And, it, and as many people as want to come in, come in and see the crazy weird light show. You know, I think of the retirement homes of the future. The places that we'll be put into once we can no longer shuffle around in base reality very easily. Uh, and I would have to think that if that's 40 years in the future from now, I mean, 40 years is a lot of time for a lot of advancement to happen. I, I could foresee easily a, a future where you could begin to live a, a quote unquote second life in a virtual reality once you get to a certain point, or at least spend a lot of therapeutic time in one. Yeah, whether it's therapeutic or, I mean, pure escapism. I think you're already seeing it to an extent with cell phones. I mean, the way that people are willing to, or it's become socially acceptable within groups or on a larger scale to just have a screen in front of you at all times. Um, there's a good 
television show on BBC called Years and Years, which I started watching recently that portrayed it pretty well. And it's, uh, it's only about 10 or 15 years in the future, but they show you know kids just hanging out with their family constantly wearing these headsets or versions of them that allow them to interact with the family. And uh, it's the first thing that gave me a palpable sense of what that would be like in a well, real world situation. So now what are you seeing here, JJ? You I'm seeing a portly man when in his special shop. JJ has now left the mountaintop and he's in what looks like, like a apothecary uh, wizard's lab maybe? Yeah, and so he's giving JJ a light that will let him touch certain sigils that are around the room and if he activates the light over those sigils it will something something specific will happen so go ahead and pull the trigger when you if you pull the trigger jj when you hover yeah, over I, yeah like whoa now i'm all tiny <laughs> i'm on the shelf honey i shrunk myself oh god there's a giant frog I also think in terms of uh, photo albums, memories of, of people, you know, um, if, if theoretically, if you had enough photographs of someone who is, let's say, is dead now, an old relative, you could, in theory, feed that into a program that could then generate an approximation at a certain age of that person. And uh, you could walk around them in three dimensions, see them, um, maybe create a version of like those uh, pictures in Harry Potter where the person's waving at you constantly. It's almost like they're living inside the photo. Uh, and if you have uh, the, it's like the fakening as we're, as we're seeing right now in, in the media, if you have enough audio samples of someone and visual samples of someone, you can really make a very realistic approximation of that person. So if you think of a, like a podcast like JJ Meets World, we've now been recording and putting out episodes for over a year and a half. So there's so many audio samples of JJ out there right now in really high quality that in theory, with a powerful enough computer and a uh, well-written piece of software, uh, you could make him say whatever you wanted to using that. There will have to be a whole new form of uh, verification, digital verification for people to discern what is and what isn't real uh, in terms of video and audio. Because deep fakes, audio fakes, I mean, they, they already exist. But as we cross that uncanny valley to that is convincing enough, you know, that we can get a version of whoever we want saying whatever we want for good or bad, mm -hmm. um, you know, you've given some good examples. But I, I can also, I can imagine it immediately being applied to uh, discredit or... You don't even necessarily need audio samples. I mean, you need a good enough actor who can do a good enough approximation of a voice. And so I've seen an example where um, SNL did a skit where they had a, uh, one of the actors, Kate McKinnon, play Elizabeth Warren. And then they took... Uh, so she was already in an outfit like that was like a Elizabeth Warren-style outfit. She's already doing a voice that's sort of like Elizabeth Warren. She's acting in motions like Elizabeth Warren. And then they just put Elizabeth Warren's face on her. And it makes it look like, you know, if you didn't know any better, that you're watching Elizabeth Warren, Warren talk right there. So you could easily do that with any public figure. Yeah, no, a, a quarter, quarter crew just get a, did a really popular video uh, a couple weeks ago where they took a Tom Cruise impersonator and they deep faked him. And um, the results are like, pretty convincing. Mm -hmm. um, there's still the Uncanny Valley, you know, which is the 
the the gap where something is close enough to real, but you can't you can't quite tell what's off because your brain is so good at telling yeah. between real and fake faces. We see that with movies all the time. But uh, you know, I've I've seen or I've heard uh, completely simulated versions of Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. um, and so those are possible as well. Yeah, I think people will try to apply it to their loved ones, but there's still going to be probably, you know, it'll be just like the entire history of you in Black Mirror where there's a service that's giving you options like, do you want a chatbot or do you want some actual doll that tries to simulate the real thing, essentially? You know, you could always talk about resolution or spatial geometry all day, but ultimately, the more insane we need graphics to be, you know, the more processing power you need, the more ability to have a computer crunch this kind of information. So then what, what do you think is a healthy expectation that we can expect for the next couple of years, let's say the next 10 years in that space? There's so many buzzwords around computing um, that it can be really, uh, it can be difficult to understand, are they getting better or not at this point? Even, so th- this only came out two weeks ago, this headset, and it's the, you know, it, at a consumer level, it's cutting edge. There are things that are better. I think within the next year or two, we'll see some really capt- finally captivating uh, experiences. And, and in the further horizon, it's sort of a merriment between the actual technology and what's on it. How is it being used? Because none of this means anything unless what you're doing is cool enough that you actually forget or that you're wearing something on your head. Yeah. Or that the types of interactions you're having with other real people is interesting enough that it, it sort of slinks into the background. I think a lot of it will happen pretty quick. Within a year though, I mean, does that mean that technologically we're at that point or that we're gonna see a new advancement soon that allows, that opens a new floodgate of development in this space? So it has already happened. Last year we had the first game that sold over essentially a million copies, Mm -hmm. you know, Beat Saber just took everything by storm and is absolutely amazing in its own right. I don't normally show it to people because Headshot. I actually, I, I think only certain people like it. It's kind of like DDR meets VR, and it does it in a way that is way more fun. But you need the kind of music that you want to listen to, and it takes a, there's a little bit of a learning curve. As soon as we get a few more games like that, I think you'll see it become a little more ubiquitous. What, what I think, I, you know, what, I, what I'm most excited for are the experiences like JJ was talking about. We were talking about Ghostbusters and Star Wars, where you have these big companies that want to incorporate this technology. Oh, yeah! They want to incorporate this technology into theme parks and actual rides. Who is the leader in this space? Is it Valve? Is it Facebook? You know, it was initially Palmer Lucky, and he kind of, you know, the the original Rift Oculus was, was, was a Kickstarter project, right, that got, you know, overwhelming support, and he was very quickly snatched up by Facebook. And then um, he's not a part of them anymore. Um, he was a little too controversial and... Uh, politically scandalous. I <laughs> <laughs> set a guy on fire. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> yeah, right now it's pretty much just Facebook and Valve. Uh, there, there are other people doing cool stuff too, and and that's saying nothing about the content. Like that's just hardware. But now that there's an open source headset, I mean, it's kind of whatever. Oh, no. Whatever people are able to do with it, I think. Pretty wide open. You, uh, what kind of applications are that you can m- marry 
VR with drone technology. So I've seen it before where people will do drone races where they're wearing a VR headset and they're receiving a video feed from their drone. You know, all, all the medium to high-end drones that I see come with a headset and they don't need... Um, I guess VR necessarily. They're not getting a, that kind of a view. They're getting a forward-facing view. It is stereo, but I don't think you need the necessarily the type of hardware. You don't need the graphical fidelity that an experience would provide. You're more just using it to point and shoot. Right. Um, and the ones that I've tried, um, my brother has a pretty high-end one. I can't remember offhand because I don't follow it very closely. It looked, it looked, it worked really well. It was really fun and great. Um, but in terms of racing and other, you know, people are more using that for survey or or an egg or other, con you know, security, looking out, yeah, monitoring. I mean, eventually they're going to try and deliver you your uh, Amazon toys, but I think that's a ways off. Rizal, do you have any, uh, what are some ethical concerns that VR has going forward? We talked a little bit about the fakening, and there's a ton of ethical concerns with that. There's been a lot of um, celebrities that they've made, uh, you know, fake porn out of using that technology, obviously putting words in people's mouths. Um, and that's, that's not specifically VR technology, that's another particular technology that could be used in the space, but... Are there ethical concerns about VR technology? There are. I think we already did mention some of the bigger ones. Um, and the, the biggest one that I did already mention is that we become so immersed or invested in this technology and these spaces that we disregard the physical world more than we already do, mm -hmm. um, to an extent that it just crumbles ever further uh, outside of our peripheral vision. So basically forgetting about or trading a virtual world for a real world. Yeah, uh, because there are real, there is a real potential here to explore the sort of transcendent or transformative experience, <coughs> transformative experiences that technology can create because we're able to now simulate essentially a version of reality. But if we only use that to escape or um, engage in with NPCs, then we are run the risks of, um, you know, becoming more invested in our fantasies than the real world. V uh, VR chat is really great um, because it doesn't require, you know, like on the quest, you can still have a fascinating time meeting people from all over the world and having all sorts of conversations in any sort of context, and it can be as weird or basic uh, as you would like. And I've read about or even watch people you know sort of articulate that it, it helps them overcome a degree of social anxiety or just meet people that were really out there because you don't you can't you can't uh, stereotype someone the same way when they look like Timon right. you know from the Lion King or the flying spaghetti monster you can assume certain things about them right away based on how they act or sound but you know I've I've basically tried to hold meetups where I want to talk about specific subjects and uh the people who showed up always surprised me, and the the weird configurations, you know. Like, I had a talk about a one particular subject, and we ended up just talking about Christianity. And I was talking to two Christians, and they were uh, very earnestly just just trying to not convince me, but trying to understand why I didn't, why I chose to not be Christian. Mm -hmm. And within 15 minutes of the conversation, the flying spaghetti monster came in, <laughs> and was very adamant about like creating this divide of no this is right and you are wrong and i've already talked to this guy and he's not going to listen to you and you're wasting your time and uh 
it's just it's all the it's a giant caricature of a real conversation you know because you can if you don't like it you can immediately leave the room you know if you want to slap somebody in the face and get up in their business you can if you want to shut them off you can block them you can make them disappear from your vision stuff that you just can't do in um 2d and it's not as captivating in the same way uh, okay, so I'm done in the virtual world now, yep, so and I want to come back to the real world. Okay. So what button do I push? I'll jack you out here. You just take it off your head. Look, the first thing we got to do is just stand still. I'll loosen these up for you. There you go. They're very sweaty. You just pull that thing off, hand it to me. Welcome back to base reality, JJ. There you go. It, it, this is the future. Like, it is amazing how immersive that... Have you done... You've done it before? Mm -hmm. It is amazing how immersive that experience was. And even without some of the environmental pieces, like hot, cold, wind, right. it doesn't matter. Right. That was awesome. Awesome. Glad you liked it. Well, final thoughts, JJ, before we wrap up? Does it feel like you're in the real world now? I don't know. I What's mean, gonna, you got to tell us a report back what it feels like when you're looking at your wife across the dinner table tonight. Yeah. And, and see if you can, like... Hope she doesn't glitch. You're going to try to do the hand motion a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a name, there's a, there's a medical name for it, but I can't remember what it is. But because you're... And this is rare. Uh, and I, I noticed it only the first time I used it. Um, because your eyes are focused... Your, your eyes are focused on an object, which is the screen, which is right in front of you. Uh, and because they stay there for so long, what happens is, essentially, sometimes if you walk out, like I had an instance where I walked out into the real world and everything looked flat for like a second. And it's like this flicker of like, wait a minute, my depth perception is off. And it's because your eyes were, got used to sitting at that, that focal level and then they're like suddenly forced to move back. Like when you get off a trampoline out. and you try and jump on solid ground. Yes, exactly. You're not wearing the moon boots anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this is wild. Thank you very much. This was an experience. And that's what it is. Like, that's why they call it VR experience, right? Um, my eyes hurt a little bit, I think, because I wasn't blinking a lot. Like, I was keeping my <laughs> eyes open because I didn't want to miss anything that was coming towards me. Um, but it was, you know, I can definitely tell from talking to you, Mike, that part of this is that this new, the, the new idea for technology is that it shouldn't be owned, right? No one should own the virtual world. It's that people should be able to develop it and continue to develop it. So if all of a sudden it becomes just solely about money, you're gonna see some of the more amazing aspects of this go to the side of the road because they can't figure out a way to monetize it. Yeah, they can monetize it. It's just uh, how rigidly the already established corporations use their own money that they already have to wall off parts of the technology. We don't want that. Because that's, that's essentially what consoles are. I mean, you can't, there's no, I can't play, I can't play Uncharted on PC because they just want to develop it for Xbox. And the, there are legitimate reasons for that in the console world, whereas for here, there's just, there's absolutely no reason for me to not be able to play a game um, on Oculus that I can't play on, on a Vive. And I, and I can, I can simulate it, but they're still figuring that out. So the, there isn't, um, I don't think I'm too concerned about it because this is already well established and Valve's going to keep making games and their philosophy is They've got a good track record, so I think we're good there. What are some good resources if someone wants to learn more about the world of VR, either websites, books, uh, topics that you would suggest people searching? I would go to the subreddit Virtual Reality. It's the most general, broad-based one. Uh, past that, um, there are subreddits for any of the individual headsets, but you know that's focused once you get one. 
Um, other than that, I mean, the only, or like the most consistently high quality news source is Road to VR that I'm aware of. Other than that, it's just kind of, because it's all game driven, um, you know, any sort of game news or platform will, will get, get you in some news. Do you write it all about VR or do you publish it all about VR online? You know, from time to time you've maintained a blog in the past or website. Um, do you do anything like that where people can kind of reach out to you or keep in touch with your journey in VR? Um, no, not particularly. I did do a guide, an all-encompassing guide for the Vive, but that's technically outdated now because um, Valve has sort of finally stepped up and done a lot of documentation for this. But some of that still applies in terms of like what games you would experience or you know how would you would what type of other things you need that are good ideas that make things easier. But um, no, mostly I think Reddit is still the best resource for the most up to date you know, rich discussions about every individual thing. Because this stuff, this stuff is still pretty complicated um, because there's a lot of variables in between that and the computer. Whereas, you know, if you want something like the Quest, pretty much it's going to explain itself. I don't, you, know, you don't need somebody holding your hand the same way you do with this kind of stuff. Is there, like in the games that are being developed now, is it sort of like when the, the home console games started being developed where like there's very finite areas that you can actually be uh, versus you know, just a free open world experience? No, because um, there are a lot of publishers who've already ported things like Skyrim or Fallout, and wow. all of the mods still work with those games, and so you can already, you know, walk around and conquer, you know, conquer the world in some of those places. So the, the, uh, the real exciting thing would be to see other people convert other things, but, uh, you know, the, it's still that chicken and egg thing I talked about earlier. There's got to be enough money and people that want to do it. So they're just trying to reach that critical mass. But meanwhile, we're all patiently enjoying what's already there. And there's obviously plenty of shit to look at. It's pretty rad. I, yeah, I love showing it to people. You know, anytime anyone wants to come over, I love showing it off, especially people that like games because they appreciate it the most or already kind of have an understanding of, you know, what they might want to do or see and um, kind of cater to what games people already like. But even people that don't play games, you know, my parents love Google Earth or, you know, set to like a flight simulator or something like that. Great. It's awesome. Well, Mike Rezel has been our guest both in the real world and the virtual world today on JJ Meets World. Uh, this is pretty impressive stuff. Thanks for letting us uh, play in your playground for hey, a little bit. Hey, you're welcome. It was lovely having you guys. Thanks for having me on again. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealityFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, 
you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash jjmeetsworld and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. I'm worried that I never got out of the virtual world and that I am now just in some kind of weird in-between place. So if you see me on the street, would you please kick Tucker in the nuts? Mm-hmm.